This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. News Radio Studios in New York City. Fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Congressman Kevin Brady will be with us. He's the ranking member. Uh, of the House Ways and Means Committee, once was chair. Uh, he'll be retiring soon and I think giving up to, to Morgan Luttrell. But until that time, he'll be joining us to get his take on what's happening with our economy, more numbers in, and so much more. And at the bottom of the hour, uh, Rich Lowry from the National Review. Give us perspective on what everybody should take away from this primary season. 76 days until the midterm. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. If you were governor right now of New York, what would you be doing about this situation? I'd be in Washington every minute saying we have to close the border. New York City is saying, what can we do? We have over a thousand illegal immigrants. Texas has had over two million. Yeah, that's called a national idea. George Pataki, the buses keep coming to New York City because borders still broken in Texas. In the fact, the facts, the numbers, and the Biden administration's negligence coming your way. Number two. This was clearly a fishing expedition, either to get at documents in former President Trump's possession, to use this as a uh, August surprise, uh, you know, thanks to climate change, uh, the October surprises are coming earlier. Uh, that is true. Uh, Harmeet Dillon, Trump drama, and what it means for 2022 midterms is the red wave is in jeopardy, even if the red win is not. Number one. A lot of these folks in small businesses are working in middle-class families. They needed help. It was the right thing to do. So the outrage over helping working people with student, with student loans, I think is just simply wrong, dead wrong. Of course you don't think it's dead wrong. That's why you waffled on it for months, because you know it's wrong, and it's uneven. Loan forgiveness. President fulfills a campaign promise, but I think his promise is to be a big problem, especially for those who paid off their loans or who made sure not to take out one and who decided not to go to college. And keep in mind, too, if you ever missed the show, there's always the podcast, uh, which you can get anywhere, BrianKillMeShow.com, and anywhere you get your podcast. So uh, let's talk about this. What I'm talking about is the loan forgiveness, which I think is unforgivable. $10,000? Okay. Why? What's the relevance? Oh, if you make uh, over $125,000, you are not eligible. If you're eligible for a Pell Grant, which means your extreme uh, financial services, extreme financial need, then you can get up to 20000 because you decide to sign off on a student loan erroneously, perhaps foolishly. And you decided after two years, this president said, I really feel bad for the college kids. So I'm going to take 10,000 off what they owe, showing you that no good deed goes unpunished in the President Biden's mind. Corey Bush, um, the NAACP, says it's racist. Why? Because just 10, the average college age woman uh, owes 52 if you're black. So you don't like black people. And if you're Tim Ryan, if you're Michael Bennett, If you're Larry Summers, if you're Jason Furman, you're all Democrats and you all think this is a bad 
move for the country. Not Susan Rice, whose idea it probably is. Cut nine. Republicans right now who say this is unfair, that there are people who decided to not go to college because they couldn't pay for it. There are people who decided to join the armed forces in lieu of going to college because they couldn't pay for it. And this leaves them behind. Is there inaccuracy in any of that? Yes, there is inaccuracy, but there's also a double standard. And this is a debate we are happy to have. Really? Well, we're having it. And it's a dumb move. Now, if it is really flat out buying votes... Take those people that owe a lot of money and take a little less, maybe total. And what people should be focusing on is the interest rates. It's above the prime. So you have a kid, you get to a good school. The school costs about $70,000 or $50,000 and between 50 and maybe if it's NYU, I think it's up to 84, Georgetown, George Washington University, around $84,000. Well, your grades are good enough. You got some academic money, but I can't afford it. So I'll take out a loan. Still can't afford it. Take out a parent loan. And congratulations, you get your degree and you're up against it. I feel bad for you for that, but still you signed on that. A lot of people get a cars they really can't afford that really the, some of the car payments outstrip their mortgage or their rent. I, it's not a good move. You might regret it. But I'm not going to pay for it. What he's saying is you're going to pay for it. And listen to this idiotic statement that he made as he was leaving the press conference after taking, I think, between his COVID, the reoccurrence of COVID, taking those weeks off. The guy hasn't been working in about a month. So he gives a press conference, forgives loans, and then says this as he leaves. Cut seven. I will never apologize for helping Americans working working Americans and middle class, especially not to the same folks who voted for a $2 trillion tax cut that mainly benefited the wealthiest Americans and the biggest corporations that slowed the economy, didn't do a hell of a lot for economic growth, and wasn't paid for and racked up this enormous deficit. Okay, there's so much wrong with what he said. Number one, uh, the 1% of the top bracket, that was decreased by the Trump tax cuts. Number two, the corporate tax rate is far outstripping every other Western industrialized economy. Uh, it was at about 35%. They knocked it down to the low 20s under the Trump administration. It, it, it gave uh, uh, rocket fuel to the economy. But when, a, when a corporations get a tax cut, it just doesn't benefit the CEO. It doesn't just benefit the stock and stockholders, many of which are in your 401ks or your 501c3s, whatever it is. It also benefits the people that work there, whether you're the, you just out of college and you're making, I don't know, 45000 or 65000 you benefit when you corporate tax rate because your corporations grow, they invest elsewhere, and a lot of the manufacturing comes home. People voted for it. The people that didn't vote for it was because Donald Trump had it. And the, so far, no, the corporate tax rate really hasn't ticked up, and we're competitive for the first time. Nobody really wouldn't trade this economy for the one that Donald Trump had pre-pandemic. Nobody. Most of the cuts were lower. And I can't give someone a tax cut, either can you, if they don't pay taxes, which is any, which was basically 49% of the country. Cut eight. Mr. President, is this unfair to people who paid their student loans or chose not to take out loans? Is it fair to people who, in fact, uh, do not own the multi-billion dollar businesses if she wants these guys getting all the tax breaks? Is that fair? What do you think? Just an idiotic statement. It's nonsensical statement. It's all about college and it's decisions to go to college and the college you pick. And uh, for me personally, I remember 
uh, it, I graduated in 1986, and I remember getting my financial. Uh, I got got into NYU, and it cost at that time twenty uh, two thousand. And they said, "Here's your grant, academic grant. Okay, cool. Uh, here is your student loan, guaranteed student loan. All right, and here's your national direct student loan." And it didn't even rack up to half without even living on campus in Manhattan. So I said, really can't go. Wanted to go there. Could have played soccer there, too. Had the best TV and film maybe in the country outside Syracuse at the time, University of Missouri. But I couldn't go there. So I went to another school. I had a great time. Almost transferred. Still didn't get enough money. But I still had four years of student loans. Now, in proportion, in the 80s, I don't know. Maybe it's a little bit more expensive uh, than it is now at 70, but in proportion to the 80s, by the money and academic money and other money that you might be able to get, grants, it's pretty much in proportion, but you make decisions. Other people are out there saying, yeah, I'd like to go to a four-year school, but I need to help work to help my family. Uh, I'd like to go to a four-year school, but I'm better off going to a community college so I can work at the same time and I'll spend my next two years at a four-year school. I'm not in that decision. That's you. So I don't really want to pay for your decision, nor should you pay for mine. But now that's all changed, thanks to socialists like Elizabeth Warren, cut 17. Look, I'm not at all surprised that Mitch McConnell is attacking this. And the reason he's attacking it is because it is very, very popular. Popular among Democrats, independents, Republicans, popular. And you know why? Because I don't think there's anybody left in America who doesn't know somebody who isn't struggling with student loan debt. Um, This has become a part of our country now. People for whom their only sin was to want to try to get an education and not be in a family that could afford to write a check for it. And what we're saying is, as a nation, we can do better than that. I got to tell you how detached she is. When Michael Bennett, the senator from Colorado, wants to get reelected, when Tim Ryan wants to defy the odds, these are all Democrats, by the way. If you probably don't know. If you don't know, he's trying to be, be J.D. Vance and become a senator from Ohio. Anybody that's running in a district that isn't bright blue is virtually against this or silent. So Larry Summers, uh, aide to the former Treasury Secretary for President Obama, it's, you're not upset. You're not surprised that Mitch McConnell doesn't like it? Okay. What about the Democrats? Kevin Brady next. We'll break this down. Brian Kilmeade Show. Expanding your knowledge base. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton Withrow. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my name is Chad. (laughs) His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. 
the fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Mark Zandi and others like him who have uh, significant economic experience and perspective uh, say that this is not going to have an impact on inflation. You know, the president has been very clear that he is making fiscally responsible uh, decisions. He's going to uh, he's going to help working people. He's also going to make sure that it doesn't have an impact on inflation. Yeah, Mark Zandi. What about Larry Summers? What about Jason Furman? Uh, what about Kevin Brady, congressman from Texas? Congressman, your reaction to this move? I don't get it. Yeah. Um, look, uh, the president's using his uh, American taxpayers as his personal campaign slush fund, and uh, it is uh, it's immoral, I think. And I think about and unfair. And I think about um, in my neighborhood, we have a detective, really good man. He he's worked three jobs as long as I've known him, including selling carpet on the weekends. His wife has a job just to make sure that their daughter could go to a state college and graduate with a good degree with no student debt. So he's worked 15 years probably of his life to do that. So now the president's going to have his taxes go pay off someone else's student debt. And it just, you look at this, you've got, you've got a uh, single mom will pay off the debt of a computer scientist. You've got a plumber pay off the debt of a physician assistant. You've got a janitor who's going to pay off the debt of the psychologist whose office they're cleaning, it's just wrong. And I, and I think, look, I think the president thinks this is all about votes, but I think America is going to rebel against working families and those who, who either paid off their right. loans, didn't take them out or didn't go to college. I think there's going to be huge backlash. Catherine Cortez, yeah, absolutely. So I, I look, I'm looking at Politico this morning, and I see Senator Catherine Cortez Masto wants to get reelected. She quote, I don't agree with today's executive action. It doesn't address the root problem, making college affordable. We should be focusing on passing legislation to expand Pell Grants. Jared Golden, this decision by the president is out of touch. Chris Pappas, these are Democrats, New Hampshire. This announcement by the president is no way to make policy and sidesteps Congress. Uh, Tim Ryan, yeah. while there's no doubt that a college education is about opening opportunities, waiving debt for those already on this trajectory, the financial security sends the wrong message. Michael Bennett, something very similar. You know who loves it? Chuck Schumer. Elizabeth Warren, Raphael Warnock. Warnock is slicing his own wrist because the people of Georgia don't buy this. Yeah, they they don't. And and did you notice, you know, as you were walking through the Democrats who oppose this, they're all in blue-collar districts or blue-collar states. You know what I mean? Where working families, you know, don't don't have all this debt. And they know it's going to go off to to people who are— more well-to-do who've made these decisions on their own and just patently, patently unfair. And uh, it's and a half a trillion dollars or more. Look, this is going to be challenged, Brian, in the courts, uh, I think, successfully, because no president ever, you know, and he's using authority from like 9-11 authority uh, after the terrorist attack to do this. And so, you know, I'm really hopeful it's challenged in the courts successfully. And can you imagine if just a fraction of that. We, we need workers so bad. Can you imagine if just a fraction of that was spent getting people skills, you know, developing more welders, more plumbers, more skilled trades that our economy is just is just craving right now? What a difference that would make for families. Okay, so here's what President Biden said about your tax reform, which you helped pass and write. Cut seven. I will never apologize for helping Americans working, working Americans middle class especially not to the same folks who voted for a $2 trillion tax cut that mainly benefited the wealthiest Americans and the biggest corporations 
that slowed the economy, didn't do a hell of a lot for economic growth. Is that is that how you describe the tax reform? Is that accurate? Yeah, and, uh, it's not, and, and no one else uh, legitimately does. In fact, that, that president's claim has been debunked repeatedly, including by liberal groups like the Washington Post. They, they've turned it uh, misleading and a zombie claim, simply not true. But that doesn't mean the president doesn't repeat that lie. You know, every opportunity he gets. And the bottom line, too, is that, that those tax reforms created more household income in one year than in all eight years under Obama and Biden, lifted six million people out of poverty, and for the first time in half a century, started to reduce income inequality. Everything this president has failed at, Trump and Republican tax cuts achieved. Uh, right now, only 21 percent of the country think we're on the right track. And it's been two years since the pandemic. We've been held down artificially in these blue states, especially. And finally, Anthony Fauci is going to be leaving. But what damage he did. But I got to ask you, Congressman, uh, about what's happening with legal immigration. Is this the worst that you have seen? Your reaction between Governor Abbott shipping willing mi- migrants, illegal immigrants to New York City and the battle between the mayor and the governor? Brian, it is in Texas here. It, it's it's hard to describe how bad it is. It's just beyond anything horrifically we've ever had to deal with. And of course, we're paying an awfully steep price in drug trafficking, criminal gangs, um, sex trafficking. Unfortunately, the Houston region I'm in is the worst sex trafficking region in the country. And so it is, you know, it's a little frustrating to watch mayors in in New York and D.C., you know, send up the alarm. Look, uh, welcome to Joe Biden's America. This is what open borders means. And they're just getting a tiny fraction of it, and they're overwhelmed. Think about what's happening, this humanitarian crisis here in Texas. 76 days away of the midterms. I know you're not going to run again, but I know you want to see the Republicans in charge. Are you concerned the red wave's in jeopardy? And if so, is it because of the Dobb decision? Yeah, I don't think it is. You know, I think they got Democrats got a temporary bump from that in enthusiasm. But no, I think we're on track for... I think a major um, win in November. But, but Brian, I have to tell you this, we are not taking it for granted. No Republican in the House campaigning right now assumes anything. We know Democrats, like this president, are going to pull out, you know, all the stops to try to buy this election. And so that's why you're going to see uh, very soon our commitment to America um, from House Republicans that really lays out, you know, the opposite of what we're seeing today, a pro-growth pro-family, pro-worker, pro-security, pro-privacy agenda. I think Americans are going to love because it is, it is so different from this radical agenda they're, they're seeing right now. How is Beto O'Rourke within single digits of Governor Abbott? Yeah, I don't think he stands a chance. I know every time he runs, all you see are these big projections. We're a purple state. We're going to go blue. We're not even a purple state. Uh, and, and, in fact, we're gaining especially in the congressional level, but the local mayor's level, uh, in the Valley. In gotcha. We've never been close at. You've got Myra Flores, you know, winning. Gotcha. There. And right now, she's already leading Brian in the polls in her new congressional district. So. Against Vincente Gonzalez, who's a formidable candidate. Uh, Congressman Kevin Brady, we'll talk to you again soon. Always great to get your insight.
the talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. People think that the president of the United States has the power for debt forgiveness. He does not. He can postpone. He can delay. But he does not have that power. That would has to be an act of Congress. The most powerful woman in the history of Democratic politics says the president does not have the power to do what he did yesterday. Rich Lowry has the power to join us now. Editor of National Review, author of The Case for Nationalism. Rich, is she right yesterday or was she right a month ago when she was asked or a year ago when she was asked about this? She was right a year ago. Uh, I I wonder, looking back, why she was so categorical about it. But I think in that time frame, they're trying to talk down the left and the AOC types and trying to convince them, no, this isn't going to happen. Don't get your hopes up. And now, of course, she's totally changed her tune. But the the legal justification for this is so thin and pretextual. They're pointing at this thing called the HEROES Act, which is basically, you know, you're a member of the active duty military, and there's been a terrorist attack on the U.S., and you're deployed overseas. They want to make sure that your your status of your loans isn't harmed by that. But the idea that this would apply to the entirety of the country, you know, some people benefited from the pandemic, right? They got enhanced unemployment benefits, or they got free checks. And, you know, they might not have been hurt at all. So why would you um, give them this, this sweeping loan forgiveness if they didn't even lose? So, so the whole thing is, is ridiculous. If someone can get standing against it, you know, that's an, an if. But if someone can demonstrate a harm and this thing gets in the courts, there's no way it doesn't get struck down. Right. But who brings it forward? It, it's, it'd be difficult. It might be someone, you know, who's on on the cusp, who who is uh, affected by the cutoff, you know, who makes uh, one hundred and twenty five thousand dollars and one dollar a year, so doesn't get the loan forgiveness, whereas someone at one hundred twenty five um, k does. Maybe someone like that. Um, but if it gets if it gets in the courts, there's no way it's it's standing. And this is just it's a terrible trend. You know, Barack Obama did the pen and phone. Um, Trump did the diversion of funding for the wall, which I think was wrong. And, and now Biden has done two or three of these things, clearly way beyond his authority. You know, the president of the United States is not a monarch. He is a uh, he's supposed to execute the laws, not rewrite them on the fly based on his own power. So this is a terrible trend for the country. It is terrible, though, that we didn't get enough money for the wall. And I think Jared Kushner was in yesterday, said he found a way to repurpose uh, defense money and said, I can rationalize this because it is defense of the country. Uh, and he was desperate yeah, to get there's 300. A, there's, a col- there's a colorable legal case. But that's there. fine. But, but, You're but consistent. Congress, Congress You're should consistent. do it. You know, Pelosi was right the first time around on this one. Congress should do it. Congress should have funded the wall. If uh, if um, if Obama wanted an amnesty, Congress should have passed it. You know, Congress is supposed to be the preeminent lawmaking body, and, and we've gotten away from that. True. Uh, so a lot of people don't agree with you, Rich, on the left. And by the way, I pointed out earlier that Senator Michael Bennett, Democrat, not for this. Tim Ryan wants to be the senator from Ohio, not for it. Congressman Larry Summers, not for it. Jason Furman, not for it. But guess who is for it? Let's listen together. Cut one. President Biden acknowledging in his words that a ticket to college has gotten too expensive and pointing out he is keeping a key campaign pledge. He told a really, I thought, heartrending story about why it is personally so important to him. His family could not afford to send him to college. And he talked about how his father felt ashamed. This is yet another victory for for the president and his supporters. And as you note, uh, in your view, for the rest of the country as a whole, um, take off your political hat on that front. Everyone would like to have their, their loans paid down and go to college. 
Unbelievable, right? I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah, no, of course. I mean, for <laughs> anyone our that. age, I, I mean, I took, out, I took out four years of loans. And when I moved, uh, I went up to the bank and I said, listen, can I lessen these payments? I go, yeah, we're going to extend it two more years. Though. I said, great. Mm-hmm. So I did it. And then I had to ask for a deferment and I got it. But I never thought in a million years I wouldn't mm-hmm. even be late for a payment. Yeah. And uh, listen, I, I know what it's like, but I made a decision. And I also didn't get to go to a more expensive school because I didn't have right. that money. I didn't want two right. loans on, on top of the four because they offered two kinds at that point. But, Rich, everyone's got their own story. Other people go, you know, I never wanted to go to college. Others said I couldn't afford to go. Others said, you know, I uh, dropped out because I started seeing the debt piling mm-hmm. up. Yep. So I think politically it seems to be a mad move. I'm more, I have more to talk to you about, but could you tell me if I'm wrong politically? It might have ticked off more people than it helped? Maybe. We'll see. I'm just not sure. Obviously, they, they think it's a base election, and they need to gin up turnout. Their signs that Democrat turnout is is up in some of these special elections, and they think this will juice it further. But just, just per your story, there is an anecdote in The New York Times, this uh, young, young woman – children of Mexican, child of Mexican immigrants. She went to community college for two years and then got into UCLA. And the story was about how she was, you know, yelped with joy in her dorm room when she heard this was, uh, uh, this had come through because she had $25,000 in debt. And then at the end, almost if your heartstrings are just starting to be pulled, then at the end it notes, and she's currently working on her master's degree at the London School of Economics. (laughs) Really? So she, she's the, the, the child of immigrants that needs help. I mean, the, there are millions of children of immigrants who aren't going to college, let alone the London School of Economics. So it just gets us to the, the rank unfairness of this. So I'm hoping Republicans can pound that home, and it, it, it hurts them. It's terrible policy. I'm just not sure about it. So you believe that the Democrats are uh, building off the Dobbs decision and starting to get some momentum? And are you looking at that race in New York um, and saying that uh, that's a canary in a coal mine where Malinari lost? Yeah, I mean, New York's different than the rest of the country, obviously, but we got a couple of flashing red signs now, right? You have the generic ballot with, where Democrats have markedly improved. You have um, the, the, these special elections, and you have you know, Senate races where Republicans are, are still uh, underperforming. So it's, it's concerning. I still think the House is a lock, but as we've talked about you know, for, for weeks now, that you wonder about the Senate. Okay, here we go. Uh, let's move on and talk about uh, a few other things. Number one, when you when you talk about what you wrote about uh, with Merrick Garland and the the drama with uh, President Trump. So listen, uh, President Trump, he could have made things very easy, not taking any documents, just left. But he did. He took them. And how he got to this point. And you just say, listen, when's the last time a Democrat was even investigated? And you have to go back to Bill Clinton. How did Bill Clinton handle being investigated? Did he just sit there and kick back and say, I hope this turns out good, honey? Yeah. So uh, um, it, it's just natural when, when your guy's getting investigated, you feel defensive of him. And the guy getting investigated fights back with the ferocity of a tiger. And we saw it with Bill Clinton, the independent counsel investigation. We saw it with the Hillary emails. By the end, you know, they were excoriating James Comey, you know, justifiably in some respects. Comey shouldn't have been speaking uh, publicly about that case. But but the idea that, um, you know, if, if this was a raid carried out, you know, during the George W. Bush administration, by the FBI against John Kerry or Al Gore, that you know the media and all the Democrats would have been, oh, okay, there was a warrant, it's fine, don't worry about it. It's insane. They would have gone absolutely bonkers. So I think that reaction 
is natural. It's, it's very American. It goes to a deep distrust that both sides have of executive power when it's wielded by the other side. But it seems, you know, we, we need to learn more. I'm never going to trust, you know, leak and, leaks and media reports again. That said, what we've seen so far suggests that Trump would have been better served just kind of um, cooperating more than he did. But uh, we need to learn more. So the redactions, what do you expect today, this afternoon? Uh, I have a different take, I think in that I believe they won't overredact because they don't want to extend this. They want to get to the heart of this. They see some downside to extending this investigation. So I believe they'll make it interesting so the judge could release it. If they redact everything and send it back, mm-hmm. this gives them more time. Unless they re- their case is really terrible and they're scared to death of it coming out, which means the judge could look bad for allow- allowing the raid to happen. I think that we might get a-, a bigger look today. What do you think? Maybe. I'm not sure about that. I, I just don't think the affidavit is going to resolve much. And also, I, I would assume it's going to be favorable to the government, right? I mean, this is going to be their strongest version of their case, why they need to go get this stuff. So it, it's going to – I would imagine there's going to be alarming-sounding things in there. But I don't think any of this is going to be resolved until we, we get more of an account. What exactly were these uh, top-secret documents? What was the nature of them, right? Are they transcripts of phone calls with foreign leaders, which m- might uh, be top-secret, but you know, it's not going to set anyone's hair on fire? Or are they really about – programs that no one knows about or could endanger informants, you know, that, that's a different beast altogether. So I, I don't think until we know that, and maybe we're not going to know that for a very long time, it's hard to get to the ground truth here. True. Uh, I will say that if Donald Day, evidently, they described these boxes as they're not collated, they weren't really organized, and they had to go through them. Does that sound like the president? Absolutely. Number two, you would, you've been around the White House longer than I have. I did not know uh, Sandy Berger had to go to the National Archives to get these sensitive mm-hmm. documents and stick them down his pants. No joke. I yep. did not know the president could keep that around the White House. I mm-hmm. thought that the yeah. National Archives holds until you need it. And the minute you get a transcription from when you talk to the president of Hungary, they take it. And then you need yeah, it to request so- it. So I did not know this was accessible to any president. Yeah, so so Trump people have explained to me, look, if you really have a, a top secret document, you know, about about a, a sensitive program, CIA program somewhere, it's, it's come, it comes into the Oval Office, right, as part of a briefing, and then whoever brought it in, it's their responsibility to pack it back in their bag, lock it, and take it back to the agency where it goes into a triple locked safe. So the idea that that even in a chaotic exit at the end, that you can tell the the, the White House usher to go find that kind of document and bring it with you, it's it's important. Plausible. I mean, if, if, even if he knew where to get it, no one would let him have it, you know. And, and if he took it, immediately huge alarm bells would go off, and the next calls to the Washington Post, and we all know about it. So it just makes you wonder what truly is the nature of these documents. And and Byron York was pointing out the, uh, the other day this big Washington Post story yesterday on on the documents. Suddenly, the 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 phrase nuclear weapons was nowhere to be seen. Yeah. Right? There's the Washington Post story a week or two ago saying they're related to nuclear weapons, and apparently that's been dropped. Right. Uh, that's exactly what Donald Trump wants in Mar-a-Lago. I would love to have like mm-hmm. the, where the how would to launch nuclear weapons from my resort. Uh, Chris Wecker is a former assistant FBI director. He was on Fox and Friends first. The other big story that I want to get you to weigh in on 
was the Hunter Biden whistleblower story. Evidently, a FBI agent went up to Senator Ron Johnson and said, listen, they told us to, as soon as the Hunter Biden laptop broke, don't touch it, don't look at it. We will not affect another election, which I think is criminal personally. Here's Chris Swecker on that information. Cut 29. I think it infuriates and confuses people because, as, you, as I just mentioned, the, the equal application of justice, if you will, it seems like this got buried uh, the Hillary Clinton matter with the with the server in the closet outside the control of the government that got pretty much deep sixed. Yet all things, as I said mentioned earlier, all things Trump seemed to get an aggressive, proactive investigation. So, you know, this I talked to people inside and outside the FBI, colleagues of mine, uh, you know, a whole a wide circle of people. And I think this is the single issue that gets them really worked up over how the Justice Department is operating now. You want to weigh in, Rich? Yeah. I mean, it just he very well said. I mean, that's exactly apt. You know, Donald Trump, there's an 85 percent chance he's running for president again or something. So they, they're going to stop this investigation right now? They're going to drop it? No, they're not. But according to this whistleblower, we need to know, you know, more, obviously, and Johnson's calling on the, the IG to investigate more, which should. Uh, they, they didn't want to touch the, the Hunter Biden thing because they're worried about affecting an election. So what, what's, what's the true standard? You know, Hillary Clinton emails, yes, they were investigated, but even though she broke the law, it was dropped because James Comey said, well, this would be kind of unprecedented to um, charge someone so, so prominent for, for this kind of thing. Well, where is that standard with Trump, right? It's, it, it, why are they investigating if they know they're going to drop it if the Hillary standard applies? So it drives people insane. It is undermining trust in our, in our institutions and, if true, um, appalling. So we know this, that when the White House said they had no idea, that proved wrong, because in a, May, uh, in a May memo, it came out the White House was confronted with this and said the archives has their blessing to move forward with the investigation or what they had to do to get this answer. So right away, the, you can't say the White House didn't know what was going on, mm-hmm. at the very least. So the president's on the record saying, I had no idea about the raid. Disturbing if no, disturbing if yes. But yeah. overall, if I am... Christopher Ray, and I get a call from Merrick Garland and say, I need some of your guys. Don't inform the local bureau. They had no idea. Uh, I need to some of your guys to go down to Mar-a-Lago, stay there for as long as it takes and get as many documents as possible. Why wouldn't Christopher Ray said, are you nuts? They hired me to depoliticize the office and the perception mm-hmm. of the bureau. Now you're going to put me in there with President mm-hmm. Trump's. I mean, do you think there was pushback? Will that be a story? Would Christopher Ray is he that much of a supplicant to the Department of Justice where he had no choice? What do you think? I don't know. It's it's tricky, right? Would you would you go around Garland, you know, and call, call the president and say, "Look, he's asking me to do this, and, and this is going to be explosive," or do you just salute and and uh, at the very ask least, Garland, I'd ask. Has he asked the president? Yeah. yeah. Um, we're we're probably going to have to wait for the the Bob Woodward book to to learn. You know, not not the entirety of the story, but more of the story. But I'm sure people were freaked out. I'm sure there are all sorts of memos being written, and if they weren't. They're complete morons because obviously, you know, a a, a a junior student at and mm-hmm. you know taking political science 101 in a college somewhere would have known <laughs> the, the explosive political effects of this thing. I, I just think on one level, people that say that they were going in there to get something, they don't. If they know exactly where they were going with this so-called informant, you don't spend nine hours. You don't go mm-hmm. open an empty safe. You don't go through Melania's clothing. Who would know mm-hmm. about Melania's clothing? Maybe I don't know. Barron? Was mm-hmm. Barron the informant? I'm not mm-hmm. sure. And, uh, and lastly, 
if they walk out and there's some documents there that help the January 6th investigation against right. Trump, are they even usable? And do they are they that desperate to keep it going through the election in order to do something like this? These are some of the questions that could begin to get answered today. Uh, Rich, you have a lot to write about. Thanks so much. Awesome. Thanks, Brian. Have a great day. You got it. Listen, uh, I gave you a lot, too. 1-866-408-7669. I'll come back with your calls. You'll listen to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Want even more, Brian? Download the podcast at BrianKilmeadeShow.com. Every episode, exclusive interviews on demand. More of Kilmeade coming up. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. I'll be on the five tonight. Until then, let's talk. Wayne, WSKY, hey, uh, in Ocala. Hey, Wayne. Hey, good morning, Brian. Just a quick question, uh, statement here. Um, yesterday, Joe Biden mentioned in his uh, speech about the debt forgiveness that this was going to plan was going to benefit current and future recipients of loans. I'm just curious, what does future mean? I don't know. Is he going to forgive everything? Are they all loans going to be grants? I mean, are you well, kidding? Who's paying for that? That's exactly right. I was wondering if you could look into this. Sure. I haven't heard anybody address that. You got it, sir. Thank you for the call. Thank you for Ocala. They're your big supporters. Molly in Naples. Hey, Molly. I'm sorry. Uh, my bad. I went to the wrong call. Matt in North Carolina. Hey, Matt. Hello, Brian. Good morning, bro. Good morning, Brian. Hey, what's on your mind? Are you going to get any of your loan forgiven? No, I don't have a, a college loan. <laughs> Sorry, sir. I'm 51 years old. What's your thought on this? My thought is a, a great one. What is worse, $300 billion for student loan forgiveness or putting up illegal migrants, illegal immigrants, in five-star hotels and giving them everything, including a, a smartphone? Do I have to make a choice? Which is worse? Do I have to make a choice? I think they're both horrendous. To me, that makes this election so easy. I mean, come on, 76 days. What do you mean there's no red wave? This is idiocy. I mean, I I understand. I mean, I am so frustrated with this illegal immigrant story, probably more than any other story. And then just to go out there and be defiant in your presentation and saying, I'm taking $10,000 away from everybody. Don't worry about it. Meanwhile, other people have to pay for it. It's amazing. From the Fox News Radio studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. Coming to you from New York, right in 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan, heard around the country, heard around the world, especially in the Ukraine. Uh, this is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Carly Shimkus at the bottom of the hour will ride the news. Fox and Friends first co host. And Mark Tiesensee, a former chief speechwriter for George W. Bush. As we await the redacted documents, possibly an affidavit, could it get out to the public today to find out what precipitated the Mar-a-Lago raid? And, we, uh, and we're also finding out five buses came this morning from Texas to New York City of illegal immigrants. I watched three of them unload on the raw feed. A lot of kids. A lot of kids. They're in our school system now. Probably great kids. I'm sure they're great kids. But we can't raise everybody's children. They get phones. Their parents do. They get hotel rooms. They get clothes. They And they get our school system and English as a second language attention. When that happens, someone else doesn't. Big three. 
Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. If you were governor right now of New York, what would you be doing about this situation? I'd be in Washington every minute saying we have to close the border. New York City is saying, what can we do? We have over a thousand illegal immigrants. Texas has had over two million. Former Governor George Pataki, the buses keep coming to New York City because borders still broken in Texas. The facts, the numbers, and the Biden administration's negligence. Mayorkas is at the border today. Number two. This was clearly a fishing expedition, either to get at documents in former President Trump's possession, to use this as a uh, August surprise, uh, you know, thanks to climate change, uh, the October surprises are coming earlier. Yes, it's true. Uh, Trump drama, what it means for 2022 midterms as a red wave is in jeopardy, even if a red win is not. Number one. A lot of these folks in small businesses are working in middle class families. They needed help. It was the right thing to do. So the outrage over helping working people with student student loans, I think is just simply wrong, dead wrong. Loan forgiveness. The president fulfills a campaign promise, but I think this promise is to be a big problem, especially for those who paid their loans or who made sure not to take one or who decided not to go to college. With me right now, Mark Thiessen. Mark, you know politics and you know what's practical and you know what's right. Was this the right thing to do yesterday for giving ten to $20,000 worth of student loans? My God, no. I mean, look, he says that it's providing help for the working class. Then why is he providing $40,000 in loan forgiveness to a married couple making $250,000? 60% of the student loan debt is held by rich and upper middle class people. Only 19% is held by poor or lower middle class. This is a massive wealth transfer from the working class of America to the wealthy uh, wealthy Americans, you're going to have you're going to you're going to have uh, doctors, uh, nurses who are paying for medical school loans for doctors they work with, construction workers paying for the law school loans of lawyers who defend them in uh, if they get injured, teachers paying for the business school loans of the wealthy parents who are sending their schools the kids to their schools, firefighters paying for the college loans of the rich people whose houses they save. This is this is just a absolute travesty. It's regressive. Uh, it's uh, it's it, it's it's uh, and and not only that it's it's inflationary. Uh, both Larry Summers and Jason Furman, who was an Obama economic advisor, Furman said this is pouring half a trillion dollars of gasoline on the inflationary fire that's already burning. It's reckless. Here's your pushback. Are you ready, Elizabeth Warren? Cut seventeen. Look, I'm not at all surprised that Mitch McConnell is attacking this, and the reason he's attacking it is because it is very very popular popular among Democrats, independents, Republicans, popular. And you know why? Because I don't think there's anybody left in America who doesn't know somebody who isn't struggling with student loan debt. Um, This has become a part of our country now. People for whom their only sin was to want to try to get an education and not be in a family that could afford to write a check for it. And what we're saying is as a nation, We can do better than that. So she says we can do better than that. And for the people that paid their loans, uh, does she does she really think that she represents the working class in this? Does she really think that every blue collar worker has a degree and they're working a second job because they have a loan to go to Harvard? I mean, look, millions of Americans made enormous sacrifices to pay their student loans. Right. Others made 
compromises, right? They didn't go to Harvard. Uh, they didn't go to. They didn't, They went to community college, or they went to, or they went to state school instead in order to reduce their costs, so they wouldn't start out life with with debts. And a lot of people made irresponsible decisions and took on debt that they couldn't pay. Why should the people who made compromises or acted responsibly subsidize people who made irresponsible decisions uh, to to uh, to to spend money they didn't have on an education that maybe they didn't need? So, you know, I don't see how this is incredibly popular. And again, here's a simple question. If you uh, are having some work done on your house and the guy's coming to fix the siding or paint the thing, would you say to him, you know what, could you knock off five or $600 off that bill to help pay, pay for my kids' college loans? That's what basically Biden is asking us to do. <laughs> Every, you know, the, the, to ask working class Americans to give us a couple hundred bucks and kick in for my kids' college. So, you know, that, that's just, it's, it's insane. So I wanted to get your knowledge of, you know, let's analyze what we know so far about the midterms. It seems people are emotional and passionate when Donald Trump's involved. Either way, when Donald Trump's not involved, for example, in New York, you see some what many people think are bellwether results when you have a Democrat win a Republican district. It was per purple uh, and run on on the the Dobbs decision. And many people think that that shows that uh, that put the bounce back in the Democrat step. Do you believe it has? I, I think that it may have given a little bit of a boost to, to Democrats, but I don't think it's going to outweigh the costs of inflation and all the other things. The problem is, is that we should not be talking about Donald Trump and Mar-a-Lago right now. We should be talking about inflation. We should talk, be talking about this student loan crisis. I mean, the Democrats have just handed us uh, the issue on which to campaign and win these midterm elections. Why are we talking about Mar-a-Lago? Why are we talking about a former president's records? This is this is this is this is exactly in every one of these campaigns. What the Republicans want to do is talk about the serial disasters that Biden has unleashed, the inflation that he's unleashed, the crime that he's unleashed, the border crisis that he's unleashed. And what do the Democrats want to do? They want to talk about Trump. So this whole Mar-a-Lago thing helps them to shift the conversation and change the topic to Trump. This is, this is not what we should be talking about. I mean, yesterday, Trump put out a statement attacking Mitch McConnell yesterday. The day that they did, the, he didn't put out a statement about the student loans. Why, why is he doing that? It, it, we can't be focused on Donald Trump right now. We need to, this is, the reason why we, Trump lost in, in 2020 is because Biden had a very deliberate strategy of hiding in his basement, and letting Trump make the election be about himself, a referendum on himself instead of about Biden and his policies. And they're trying to do that again in the midterms. And then they're going to try and do it again in 2024. We can't let them do that. We need to make them own their serial failures. Here is Nancy Pelosi, Cut 31. Republicans should be very, very, very scared this morning about their prospects. I have never believed that we would not hold the House. That's my mission, and that's what I hope to accomplish, and I have a plan to do it under the leadership of Sean Patrick Maloney. He had a big victory himself last night. He, he's our chair. But, um, but this one, they expected to win, and uh, they outspent us, but we outorganized them, and that's what we are. We don't agonize. We organize. Well, that wasn't necessarily the case. When you talk about this— the what I think is the key to victory and that running on something about, for example, schools and these school boards, especially in Florida, that have tilted uh, to the right, the awareness that parents have. And of course, the big thing is inflation, then the economy. And I hope 
that the that the Republicans have some way of expressing to the country that we have a huge border problem that affects all of us. A hundred percent. Those are the things we should be talking about. Look, Joe Biden is even with with the little tiny uptick he's had to like 41, 42 percent. He's back in the 40s again in a real clear politics average. He is still the least popular president in the history of presidential polling. He's unleashed the worst inflation in 40 years, the highest gas prices on record, the worst border crisis in, the, in American history, the worst crime wave since the 1990s. This should be a red wave of unprecedented proportions. It just should. And if it's not, then shame on the Republicans. We need to do a look ourselves in the eye because what it means is that as ba- the, 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 with all the disasters that, that the Democrats unleashed, voters took a look at the Republican Party and said, yeah, no. <laughs> we're going to need to do some real soul searching on the on the Republican side if if we can't take advantage of the most promising political environment that has presented itself to conservatives in possibly my lifetime. NBC has a poll out says only 21 percent of the country think we're heading in the right direction. So as yeah. you know, the Senate's different. I think you would you would agree with that me on that. Been a number in the 70s for over a year. Right. It's it's first in, time in the history of the poll. That's that, true. That, that, that's happened. This is, this is the best political environment, and I'm sorry, but with all that going on, Dobbs shouldn't be making a decision. Uh, making a is not going to be the decisive factor. It might help them a little bit. It might raise some enthusiasm. But come on, most people when people are choosing between gas and food, they're going to they're going to vote on Dobbs. Maybe in some maybe in some purple states they might do that. Maybe there's a few states where that's a big, uh, an issue. Maybe in a blue state like New York, which is very pro-choice. Uh, that could be decisive. I don't think it's going to be decisive in places in other parts of the country. That's not what it's about. It's whether the Republican Party is a palatable alternative to the disaster that Democrats have put out. Absolutely. And, it, and it's a referendum on us if we if we if we lose. When it comes to the Senate, a lot has to do much, much more has to do with the matchup itself. Raphael Warnock mysteriously really pushed the president to do this loan forgiveness. That's to me not a recipe for winning in a formerly red state turned purple at best. In Pennsylvania, yep. you're not going to get the Senate majority unless Dr. Oz wins. Listen to who he's going against. Even in perfect health, John Fetterman is Bernie Sanders in Pennsylvania. He's against fracking. He's pro-criminal. Uh, this guy is unproductive as a human being. And as a lieutenant governor, he was invisible. And we know about him living in his parents' house till he was in his 40s. I don't know if he's going to blame student loan debt. But he is obviously struggling since his stroke. Listen to this. Cut 33. Let me ask you a question. If you say you think the word of steel worker, what words come to your mind if you say steel workers? What is wrong with demanding for an easy, safe kind of their income, a path to a safe place for them to win or excuse me to, to work come on really yeah i mean I, I don't want anyone to struggle but we're watching a president who was able to get away with it because of the pandemic you have to be able to perform and this guy is not ready first of all that's heartbreaking to watch you know if, if you just feel for the for the guy that he's like incapable of putting together a sentence because of the because of the tragedy of that stroke um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. But again, he's beating Dr. Oz by 10 points right now. I, I mean, don't think so. You know, uh, you yeah. really well, think that's so? The, that's, the, that's what I mean. Again, you know, maybe all the polls are wrong. 
It's they've been wrong before, but I'm telling you, you know, the, the, again, you know, everyone w- was dunking on Mitch McConnell for complaining about candidate quality. And look, he shouldn't be playing political analyst. He should be out there fighting for Republican uh, nominees. But you got Dr. Oz who goes out and says, uh, first of all, that has the, like the crudite disaster and then says, well, the John Fetterman wouldn't have had a stroke if he had eaten his vegetables. I mean, you know, candidate quality matters. That's, that's just incompetent. So, so, yes, we, we need Dr. Oz to win because I, I would rather have an, in, an incompetent Republican uh, win, the, win the election and take back the Senate majority uh, than, than have uh, John Fetterman uh, and, and the Democrats back in the majority. But, you know, we've, we've been nominated a, a lot of people who are not, who are not ready for primetime, and we've got to get them ready for primetime between now and Election Day. Uh, but, you know, we, if, again, if, this, if, we, if we don't get back the Senate, uh, again— a lot of introspection on, on where the Republican Party is, who we're choosing to lead us, and uh, and what kind of uh, what we're presenting to the American people as an alternative to the disaster the Democrats are presenting. Uh, just Mark, just take a step back for a second and forget about messaging and staffing. If you told me I had a top surgeon who was a self-made success in business with international experience because he's dealt with China and the Middle East. And then I told you that in a guest appearance with the number one talk show host in the country, Oprah, he was so convincing they gave him a syndicated show and it's been top three in the country for 15 years. I go, that's ideal. Well, he might misstep and he might be, you know, might uh, say something politically damaging. But for the most part, that was the image of the founding fathers. Have an expertise, be a farmer, be a business person, be an intellect, sure. a philosopher, and then serve and then get out. To me, I want the Ben Carsons of the world in there. I want the J.D. Vances in there. But they might say something awkward. I mean, don't cut a crudite tape. True. But for the most part, you, it's hard to put down a elite or surgeon. Or a doctor mocking a guy's stroke. Well, in a way, he didn't. He's been holding back. If that was Trump going against him or oh a – <laughs> I mean, for the most part – He's not. He's holding back. He, if you watch him on Laura Ingram last night, Laura came back and said, the guy can't talk. And he's like, let's move on and talk about it. I want to debate him for five straight times. And yeah. it's tough for a doctor to be a doctor at the same time look at his opponent and go, the guy can't put two sentences together. How am I losing to this guy? Yeah, no, that's well, you know, that, that was true of Trump against Biden, too. And look yeah. how it turned out. Because right. he had a bad debate. <laughs> yeah. The I bar mean, was you know, so it, low. It, 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 yeah, I mean, we just, you know, the, the, here's the, here's the, th- uh, I mean, I'm terrified of this, is that if the Democrats manage to hold on, the stakes in this election are so high, if the Democrats manage to hold on to the House and they can gain enough seats to make make Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema irrelevant, they are going to get rid of the filibuster, they are going to pack the, uh, the Supreme Court, they are going to pack the, uh, they're going to pack the st- Senate, by adding District of Columbia and Puerto Rico as states, they are going to do so much damage, and they're going to and then they won't need to compromise with Joe Manchin. They'll right. pass the reconciliation bill with three point five trillion dollars uh, in, in 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 spending. You know, right. we we screwed gotcha. this up once. Mark Thiessen, thanks so much. Information you want, truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Right now we say, Joe, you're going to be a college man. 
And I'd say, Dad, but what does that matter? I mean, you can still get fired if you're a college man. And I remember going down after a baseball game. I went, went to a really good school up in Claymont, Delaware, on the Pennsylvania border. And I walked in, and I had my spikes. And because the reason I was going down, when your dad works in an automobile agency, the great advantage, you get a new car to go to the prom. Or a good used car. If you think I'm joking, I'm not joking. And so I went down in my 51 Plymouth uh, with uh, beach towels for seat covers. Said so I went to see, the guy's name was Charlie Delcher, who was a vice president of the Farmers Bank, which was a state-owned bank that did a lot of the financing of people wanting to purchase a car. So I went to Charlie and asked to borrow the money. He said, he won't lend it to me. By the, by the, end, of that, by the end of that story, students like, do you know what? Forget it. We'll pay. We'll pay. And that was James Corden last night. I was just watching the replay. I would DVR it once in a while because to me, I think he's the only funny guy on late night television outside Greg. And, um, and I just listened to that. And they couldn't even pretend that he made sense yesterday. So they rolled that, and they just, it was all over the place. And he never mentioned the most important thing, why the HEROES Act was worthy of this $10,000 discount for everybody else. It was meant for the military. It wasn't meant for average, everyday people. It was passed in 2001. But he never mentioned that. He talked about himself and his spikes and his dad. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. And now, I want to toss it on over uh, to Carly Shippius, who has a big announcement to share with all of you. <laughs> My announcement is that I'm pregnant! Yay! Expecting a baby in February. It still doesn't feel real. I'm oh, going to be a mom. Now, do we know what the baby is going to be? It is. It's Here we so go. Oh, that's right. Yes. I have two. <laughs> Tell me everything. I don't know how to raise a child. <laughs> and, but we'll find out if she can. Uh, Carly Shimkus with us now, co-host of Fox and Friends First. That's how it unfolded. Yes. You have the exclusive. I did. I did have the exclusive. Yes. So did the baker. Because I um, got, did the gender reveal cake. I cut into a cake. And it was very interesting to give the gender results to a, a total stranger and be like, so there's the, there's the outcome. <laughs> you know what I mean? Did like, he have a knew, reaction, no or was he just another customer? It, no, it actually was more than just another customer. They like they get invested. I was talking to the guy after. He's like, it's it's really an honor to do these kinds of things because they know that it's like such a. This is what he was saying that it's such such a big part of a person's life. However, they kind of screwed it up because the icing was a little too thin on the top of the cake. So I saw that it was blue before I cut into it. Womp womp. Whoa, whoa, you know whoa. what I mean? No, wait a second. Wait a second. What? I didn't realize the gender reveal was new to the woman, too. Yeah, no, I didn't know. Wow. I thought you knew and then you were going to reveal it. No, so what happens is I may have done a very bad job of telling this story. What happens now is because, you know, people go crazy and they do like they like fireworks and stuff like that. I just wanted something very simple for our, me and my husband. So you get the gender results in an envelope from your doctor, and then you just take them to a baker if you want to do the cake, and you give them to the, the baker. And then they make a cake, and the inside is either pink or 
blue. So when you cut into the cake, you both find out together. Is that stupid? It's cool. I think it's really cool. And you know, it's so interesting now I could say it. Kaylee McEnany came in to do my Saturday show and she was really bummed out and she said, I think I made a huge mistake. Oh gosh. So tell everybody what happened. Well, you know, actually I knew that that happened, that you were a, a part of this. How did you, okay, let me back up. She, um, it was no big deal. She said on Outnumbered that I was pregnant. She's pregnant too. So it kind of fit into the story and we're friends. So she calls me, um, after, and she, it was like the most innocent and pure confession of something that I, I couldn't have cared less. But she said something on the air. Yeah, she said I was pregnant before I announced it. Who cares? I was going to announce it a day later. It doesn't matter. And she, I can't believe you're bringing this up. Kaylee probably is. She was so apologetic. I walked away from that conversation feeling bad for her for how bad she felt. Right. But when, so. But no, some people like that, though. I mean, you don't want to blow someone's engagement. For example, oh, you got engaged over the weekend. No, I didn't. Oh, I'm sorry. It's Monday. So you don't want to be that. You don't want to. She did It was no. My care level when she told me was zero. Yeah. I was more happy that she brought me up on Outnumbered. I was like, that's great. I became oh, a little part oh, of the okay, show. Okay, so I was. You know, you weren't even on the couch. No, I didn't know. Wow, yeah. that is bizarre. Oh that... no, she, so she gave me a phone. I can't believe you just brought that up on air. Right. Brian. Yeah. No, but oh so we taped her segment. We usually do. But she uh... came to you and said, "Did Carly announce this?" And you said, "No." Right. So did you console her, make her feel better? Um, I no, I kept it factual. <laughs> I, I mean, because I don't know if I. I mean, she's a nice. She's. Um, she is not just nice. She's like the nicest person in the world. Right. Yeah. She's definitely. If I was to bet on anyone going to heaven, it's probably oh, it's, her. <laughs> she's like her name is already etched right. on the I'm, golden gate. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, but anyway, no, that was no big deal to me, and I truly ended up feeling worse for her. Because of how apologetic she was. And I kept on saying, Kaylee, I don't care. It's okay. I'm about to announce it tomorrow. Anyway. Now, is it true anyway. your parents are indifferent? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> actually, kind of negative reactions yeah, from both yeah, of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so strange. They don't, they, now they have to worry about bigger holidays. Yeah, it's it's, it's, a big, it's, it's an expense. Yeah, growing families can be uh, quite the challenge. Uh, like, I'm not going to tell you how to act, but I do find that a little different. Um, <laughs> uh, a couple of things that I want to discuss. Yes. First off, on this redaction today... Uh, President, we might get this affidavit. It's going to be handed yeah. to the judge today by noon. It's going and, to be all black. I mean, do you believe that the judge, and uh, I'm not clear on this, the judge go, okay, looks good to me, put it out? Or is he going to no. look at it and hold it? Okay, so a couple things have evolved over this week. So last week when he made that decision, he said he that some a portion of the affidavit should be released. Which so will show details was, of why they raided right, the house. Right, it was sort of like a 50-50 thing. He was like, the DOJ wants nothing. Trump's team wants everything. Let's look at what the DOJ, the DOJ redacts. I'll look it over, make my own redactions, maybe delete some. Because the judge thinks you can release some of the affidavit. Right, but then did you hear what he said this week? He, was, he uh, released a statement and was like, um, I may re- release some, but I might not release any of it. It just depends on what the DOJ's explanation What's is. What's the point? So it do- it feels like he over the weekend thought about it or got some counsel or whatever. Got a call from DOJ. Uh, yeah, and now it feels like this could possibly be a big nothing burger. Um, we were talking to Chris Swecker on Fox and Friends first, who's a, a former FBI uh, agent, um, and he was saying that what probably what. What might be released are none of the reasons why they raided, but all sort of the In stuff fact, that you I, we pulled it oh, uh, great. From, from your show. Cut 28. I think DOJ is going to win their argument. 
uh, with this judge at least, and that is they're going to say, well, uh, there's going to be so much information about the reliability of the sources, the spe specificity of their information that it's going to identify them. We can't do that. So all that leaves us is the conduct of the former president. And I think that uh, DOJ would be more than happy to release that. Right. So it's all the stuff that could possibly make Trump look bad without any of the color or context surrounding it. But I think there are definitely still some underlying questions like um, there was a Wall Street Journal piece about what led up to this and how Merrick Garland was really sitting on this for a couple weeks and saying, should I approve this raid? Should I not? And apparently he's a very slow and calculated and methodical person. But if you're raiding the home of the former president because they have uh, top secret classified information Time and you sensitive. need to give it, get it back, that signifies to people that that – um, information could be in some sort of danger. So if it really is, then why are you waiting a couple weeks? Oh, yeah. Here's uh, Harmeet Dillon last night, Cut 27. She has uh, not handling this case for Trump, but has handled other cases for Trump. Cut 27. This was clearly a fishing expedition to get, either to get at documents in former President Trump's possession, to use this as a uh, August surprise, uh, you know, thanks to climate change, uh, the October surprises are coming earlier, and or otherwise just keep him in the news. And that's exactly what's happening. And it is a disgrace to the good name of the DOJ. And it is ignoring both DOJ rules as well as federal statutes that prevent this exact type of behavior from happening out of the United States Department of Justice. Yeah. And Mark Tisa went on to say to, when he joined us earlier that the longer Donald Trump's in the news, the better it is for Democrats. They're not talking about inflation, not talking about the border, not talking about anything right. else. So you yeah. keep them in the news and you keep them front and center. They want that. And you could use, I imagine, it's a risk, some of what you raided and use it on October, you know, use it on the January, the January 6th Oh, of committee. course. Yes, yes, yes. But can yes. you imagine That's that? This is what I took from his safe, this. you know. And I, I actually think you said Jonathan Turley said the whole thing about how you drag this out and it works better for Democrats. It uh, He brings up a great point because, you know, when I'm sitting in the back of the studio waiting to do headlines, you <laughs> there's a four – there are four TV screens in front of me, and it's Fox and Friends and any other networks, the liberal networks, and inflation, nothing. They they just cover the Trump stuff. So, you know, you're if you get a bunch of possibly a lot of Democrats, independents watching that, they're laser focused on this with their spin on it, and it takes their mind off inflation to a certain point. But then you live your life and recognize that prices go are shopping, sky high. Go get so gas. I don't really know how much – uh, that could impact somebody's thinking, but I think that that's what the narrative is on the Democratic side that they're trying to do. Do you know gas is going up again? Do you know after the July – because China is getting online China and demand is, is going yeah, up. Yeah, and that's right. And isn't um, – you're going to say this so much more eloquently than me, but isn't there some sort of deadline um, going on in Europe to finally pull further back from Russian oil and gas and that can make gas prices go up True, even and you know what else uh, the Russians are doing? The Russians are saying we're testing Nord Stream 1. There's some problems. We're going to test a few, oh. and they're starting to slow the flow yeah. of natural gas, which, by the way, we could have an all-hands-on-deck push to be the number one supplier of natural gas, yep. but we refuse. We could build an LNG plant within 18 months and have one off the coast of uh, Spain and uh, the, uh, somewhere in Europe that works for everybody. Yeah. And be able to supply them and become their number one supplier. But this administration doesn't want to frack. They don't want to build because they look at natural gas as a fossil fuel. And then you have Jamie Dimon. Did you see what he said uh, a couple days ago? He was like, you know, we we talk about how we want to go green um, and we're pulling back on natural gas. 
and every other country is reverting back to coal. Like, are you kidding me? And that's what's going on in a lot of these other countries. Because windows and solar panels don't do it. Yeah, they're firing up the coal plants, and that's making our country even dirtier. So when we our world, our world, yeah, but we're not a dirty country. We We are are one of the cleanest. Although I was out on the street recently, and I saw several rats. Right. Yes. How long you lived in New York City? Uh, since 2009. So it's, you've seen a big difference on a daily basis? In terms of, well... Crime and, oh, and, and dirt middle and grime? Pa- middle pandemic to now? Yep. Uh, the homeless situation. Homeless getting is getting worse. Yeah, it is. A violent homeless. Yeah. Well, I haven't seen... I haven't noticed any violence. Are we going... You're giving me a look. Belligerence. I see belligerent homeless people. Yeah. Do you know what I recently saw, which was interesting? What? I saw a really muscular, like, jacked-up homeless guy. You don't really see that ever. You, you know what? I see a lot of the homeless people have better builds than me, and it bothers me <laughs> because clearly they don't have the nutritional plan that I have, and they they are somewhat defined. I've seen very fit homeless people. I, I've never seen somebody as fit. I mean, it's rare to see somebody as fit in life as the homeless person that I saw, and he definitely was crazy and kind of scary, but I was like, wow, maybe that's prison fit. Could be. Could that's be. That's a thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Can you take steroids in prison? I don't think so. But you have a lot of time. So right. Just, you know, just what else are you going to do? Right. Instead of it's getting. It's got to be a good diet. Right. Also, also, you could, I imagine, out of all the things to smuggle into prison, steroids would be the least offensive. <laughs> yes. Right? That's right. If you've been to prison, one eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine, and smuggled steroids into a, a mac, uh, supermax. We'd like your uh, body mass index. Please. Yes. Back in a moment. This weekend, check out Brian's new show on Fox News Channel. His new Saturday show lets him ruin your weekends, too. Take it easy, Gutfeld. That really hurts. One Nation with Brian Kilmeade. Saturdays at 8 p.m. Eastern on Fox News Channel. More of Brian coming up. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. So never let a crisis go to waste, a phrase coined by Kilmeade's barber. This is male pattern baldness is in the shape of Belarus. Like Brian Kilmeade's fleas, that's a head scratcher. Like Kilmeade's doll collection does make me sad. It's like when Kilmeade enters a crowded elevator. <laughs> they treat him like he's got monkeypox. It's likely someone no one can stand. <laughs> I call them creeps, but why offend Brian Kilmeade? <laughs> That wasn't exactly what I was hoping for. Well, that hurt more than when Greg reached up and hit me in the shin one time we got married. I'm sitting in a normal chair, not one of the small ones, custom-crafted to fit Greg's abnormally childlike frame. I'm a full-grown adult. We also had the stage crew remove the sippy cup because I don't spill, unlike the normal host who's not anything but normal. So that was uh, last night I hosted, I hosted Gutfeld. Were you nervous about that? We used I to wasn't. do comedy. Yeah, yeah no, you're I, such a professional. But it was, just, it was cool to do something different. Yeah, it was just, it's, uh, it's a different kind of muscle, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just interesting. They had a great staff. Um, Their staff is amazing. Right. I, mean, um, I do feel, I say this, it's, they didn't turn on me. I said, recommended, my approach was, I don't really watch the show. I do a morning show, yeah. but I hear Greg talks about me a lot. So that was my approach. And then they rolled in all the negative clips. So exactly. It's not like the staff turned on me. No. I chose to have them turn on me. Can I get? Can we all get an origin story on this pseudo feud between you and Greg? How did it start? I just I don't like him. Yes, you do. I know you do. No, I well, I just think that we're better off being enemies. 
And I think, and nobody wants to back off. An enemy but I, uh, but whose I show you will do to give him a time off. Right. And that's due. And I'll be there when he, they usually ask me. I usually try to do it. But I will not go on the offense. I prefer that he look like the bad guy going I, after me. I, it's I, so funny that you do a show called Fox and Friends when you're neither a fox and you have no friends. Oh, stop. Why did you keep that, Eric? Why, do you, like, why was that necessary? I was having a conversation. <laughs> I mean, for that—that's my staff turning on me. Wow! Yeah. I do have to say, um, I never laugh at the jokes directed at you um, when I'm on the show. When Ever. you're on the show, yes. Thank when, you. When I'm, when somewhat... I'm on Gutfeld and he's picking on you, I sit there stoically. Pete, can you look up with all a of mean her appearances mug? And make do you sure laugh she's on the... after the show? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> it doesn't count. Hey, let's <laughs> find out if there's more to know. Okay. More to know. This hurts me. With Carly Shimkus. Oh, love it. Uh, Sylvester Stallone and Jennifer Flavin oh, are getting a divorce. Why? What's at stake? Four hundred. They have a four hundred million dollar between them. Now they got to split it fifty fifty. Do you believe the women should get any money? <laughs> I mean, shouldn't for her own self esteem make her own money? Can we just talk money? about how sad it is that they're getting a divorce? And he's got a tattoo on his deltoid. Oh, of her? Yeah, of her. And oh. he's got a. What That's happened, Pete, to idea. it? What happened so to it? So he was supposed to, he said he was going to get it retouched up, So, but he actually now, it's Butkus, the dog from the Rocky movies, has now covered his wife's face on his shoulder. Oh, oh wow. Okay, so <laughs> there must have been trouble in paradise for quite some time if he's already done that. Right, evidently, they've had somewhat of an open relationship. Oh. Did you hear about this? No. It says, when we're not together, they're not together. But she says, all I could tell you is, okay. we sleep together five nights a week. And I believe there are seven days a week. Yes. So it's very, if you're thinking very about it, if you're them. thinking about an open relationship, I don't, I haven't seen it work. Yet. <laughs> Nor have I. Next. All right, Joey Chestnut. Um, he broke the popcorn eating world record in Indiana. Top rated professional eater Joey Chestnut broke a new world record for uh, the sport when he ate 32 servings of popcorn, 24 ounces each, in eight minutes. That is such a choking hazard. It makes me nervous to even read that. But that's why we have, we're sponsored by LifeVac. This is a perfect LifeVac to I, place, I keep, push, pull. I know. I, not spons- I'm not, I am personally not sponsored by LifeVac. I, I bought three of them. You did? Yeah, for individual members of my family. You realize if you buy it and use BK10, you get 10% off? <laughs> You did not. You did not. Can I get like ten percent of whatever you're making right now? I know. I know it's hey, unbelievable. I do have a question about Joey Chestnut and the popcorn eating. Do you think he dunked the individual kernels in water because that's gross? Uh, yeah, because he he, does, he, he does have the hot dogs. Next, Dennis Rodman backs out of trying to get Britney Spears from Russia. It Griner. would have been a shoe and Griner. Uh, Britney Spears. <laughs> yeah, who took Britney Spears? We got to get him back for we the parents. It. Did Dennis Robin help get him out from the parents? So Dennis Robin goes, yeah, I got permission to go. And everyone's going, who gave him permission I, to go? He just blankly said they gave me permission. By the way, if you're Brittany Griner and Rodman shows up in prison, really? Yeah. You're sending Rodman? Well, I think at, at this point, we got to get her back. Uh, that's a, I think it's a huge story. And by it's the not way, getting enough attention. Stop going to Russia to play sports. Stop going to Russia. Don't, you know what? While you're at it, don't go to North Korea either. Nice. Too much screen time isn't just a problem for kids. A new study finds parents also pick up several bad habits when they stare at their smartphones all the time. Uh, yeah. Like, for example? Uh, researchers from University of Waterloo. Where is that? I don't know. It's my last stand, though. Oh, discovered that parents and caregivers who consume too much digital media for relaxation end up engaging in negative parenting practices. Could you plant this one in my my Maybe. my section so that I now know? When you have this kid, pay attention. That's all. That's right. <laughs> that's, I, 
Thank you. Generally. I think that's sort of common sense. Not sure. I'm a little like Dr. Spock. Good emphasis, though. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming to you from 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan. Heard around the country. Heard around the world. Charlie Heard at the bottom of the hour. He helped me out on Gutfeld last night. I was lucky enough to host. And David Avell is in studio. He is a GOPAC chairperson, GOP strategist. Uh, extraordinaire to go inside. Now the primary season's virtually done. 76 days to the big election. So before we get to David, let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. If you were governor right now of New York, what would you be doing about this situation? I'd be in Washington every minute saying we have to close the border. New York City is saying, what can we do? We have over a thousand illegal immigrants. Texas has had over two million. No kidding, George Pataki, but too bad Republicans are not in charge now. The buses keep coming because the border's still broken. The facts, the numbers, and the Biden administration's negligence. Mayorkas is at the border at this hour. Number two. This was clearly a fishing expedition, either to get at documents in former President Trump's possession, to use this as a uh, August surprise, uh, you know, thanks to climate change, uh, the October surprises are coming earlier. Yes, Hermit Dillon, former, well, current, still handling some of the legal work for Donald Trump. The Trump drama and what it means for 2022 as the red wave. Is it indeed in jeopardy? That's the question. And if so, can they still win? Number one. A lot of these folks in small businesses are working in middle class families. They needed help. It was the right thing to do. So the outrage over helping working people with student, with student loans, I think is just simply wrong, dead wrong. Loan forgiveness. President fulfills a campaign promise, but I think this promise is to be a big problem, especially for those who paid off their loans, who made sure not to take one, will explain. So a lot of people, David Avella, who's if you're watching Fox Nation, you see David fresh off TV now with America's favorite app. Miranda Devine, hardly a left wing columnist who's done an incredible job, most specifically and recently with Hunter Biden investigation, says uh, the winning the win by Mark Malinaro in New York state yesterday in the special election will be immediate rematch in November is a warning sign to Republicans. It was a tiny turnout across the board, but especially for the Trump base. Trump was not involved in this. When Trump's not involved, the enthusiasm's not there, she says. And therefore, a lot of times Republicans are disappointed with the results. Is she right? There's record turnout going on right now amongst Republicans in primaries across the country. Uh, Certainly, candidates do matter uh, as we think about that New York special. And as we get ready to, as Mark needs to think about what he needs to do to fine tune his message to ultimately win this November and and take that seat as we have three or four other opportunities here in New York to pick up congressional seats. Uh, But if you look at the bigger trend, that is that overall voter turnout is up 10% over 2018. Driven by Republican turnout is up 26 percent and Democratic turnout is down 4 percent. And that trend continued even uh, in Florida, where we had record turnout, particularly amongst Republicans. Uh, You see you still see the enthusiasm, despite the media narrative that's being driven right now and, and the Democrats narrative that somehow Republicans have lost momentum. But 
but Brian, it would be uh, historic if the country is at 72% disapproval of the direction of the country, the president's at 42%, and Republican turnout or the opposition party's turnout is up at record levels, and somehow the president doesn't take a beating on election day. I know, and listen, I think he's earned a beating um, on election day. And I know that only 21% of the country think we're heading in the right direction, NBC poll. But I saw Ronna McDaniel was basically on with a, with a uh, potential donors. And she had a big plea amid the rising concerns of the party over his candidates. This is going to Politico, lagging fundraiser totals and his overall prospects. They had a 36-minute conference call. I assume the reporter was on there. Uh, regard, and on the recording was obtained by Politico. McDaniel argued that the party has, has strong Senate candidates and a favorable political environment, but they're being outraised. We absolutely have to better candidates. Our candidates can't win if we outspend, but they can't win if we're outspend two to one, and that's what's going on right now. Six to one, it becomes more difficult, and we're seeing that specifically in the Senate side. He goes, she has a desperate call for action, and she's seeing money pour into Fetterman, money pour into Wisconsin, money pour into May, uh, to not Mayorkas, but Warnock in Georgia. Is she right to be concerned? Every chairman says they don't have enough money. Uh, anyone who's As chief you. responsibility, <laughs> fair, fair point. Uh, you're always looking for more funds so that you can put into races to elect more Republicans. She, it's a pretty standard line. It would have been more disappointing and, quite frankly, more newsworthy had she said, we have all the money we need. Don't send any more money. Right. And the good news is, and, and Newt on that same call, it's been reported uh, said that we don't have to match them dollar for dollar. We get outspent one, you know, two to one, three to one. We still win elections right. typically. But we start getting to five to one or six to one. Then it starts becoming a little more challenging. Well, a lot of the money comes from outside. For example, most of Stacey Abrams' money is not coming from Georgians. It's coming from outside, but it's still a lot of money. The bad news is there are people invested in her that can actually vote for her. Mm-hmm. So that's something to keep in mind. But when you look at Walker... And when you look at uh, Dr. Oz, Mastriano, the one thing they have in common is that they're picked by the former president. Do you believe that President Trump should be kicking in some money to them? And what are the limitations for an individual donor or with his case, he's got a super PAC? Anyone who wants to see a Republican majority should be stepping up right now and and giving. Has someone spoken to the former president and said, listen, uh, don't leave them out there on a vine. They're going to need some support. The president has been out there campaigning for candidates that he's endorsed and given money to candidates that he's endorsed. Everyone needs to be chipping in in here. Uh, But let's not get past the bigger picture, which is the record the Democrats have to ultimately defend. And you're looking at a president who almost every single action this president has taken has resulted in job creation being suppressed. That It keeps inflation in an area that makes it harder. He's got low unemployment, right? Uh, As folks are in the job market right now, uh, how how good it is, uh, particularly when it comes to they're seeing their taxes go up. I mean, it's laughable to suggest that a a energy bill that just passed that raises taxes on petroleum production somehow won't get to consumers in the price they pay for gasoline. In fact, Brian, I was just in Maine this week and heard from a number of voters who said each week they look at home fuel prices 
heating oil prices, this is the time to do that. And each week they're hoping the prices are going to come down a little bit. Heating, that's one thing that no one's talking about. They focus on just cars. That's right. But we're talking about everyone in their house. That's right. How do you also feel about California coming out? They're ready to ban the sale of gas cars. It's, uh, well, what if you had a what if I have a car lot full of Toyota pickup trucks? This is the same state that hasn't built a gas station in quite a long time. And they don't they're, want to. They ma- their march to this uh, getting rid of uh, fuel cars is, has not starting today. It's been going for a while. I I suppose uh, if you're a car dealer right now in California, you're figuring out how you set up shop in Nevada uh, or Oregon. All right. Uh, three, the top three issues you believe in order for Republicans. Uh, education, crime. Oh, in order. In order. Uh, economy, uh, crime, and, and uh, education. Drill down on the economy, inflation, and? Uh, ultimately, always comes down to job creation and having a thriving economy. And you do that by having a stable uh tax policy and a stable regulatory policy, which is what this president's not doing. And if Republicans ever questioned whether education was a big issue, uh, again, look at Florida. We we took majority in five school boards two days ago in areas that aren't exactly favorable to Republicans. Did you ever think we'd be talking about school boards? Uh, absolutely. When you see what's going on in, in schools. But and we how- never were. Until uh, until until COVID came along, Virginia. Right? Uh, well, yes, uh, and you uh, parents want a focus on reading, writing, arithmetic, STEM, and they're not seeing it get not coming out of their schools. Uh, I also want to get into candidates a little bit. Um, John Fetterman's doing his Biden appointment. We all know that Joe Biden lost his fastball, and when he was being mocked on SNL, it looked like he was out of the race. When he got Baker in the race, the pandemic heats up. He doesn't have to. To to be honest, he never had to leave. He he was looked at as the responsible candidate not to have big rallies. John Fetterman has a stroke. He he does not even – he wins the primary without showing up. We wish him the best, but clearly he's not on his game. Cut 33 is John Fetterman over the last couple of appearances. Let me ask you a question. If you say you think the word of steel worker – what words come to your mind if you say steelworkers? What is wrong with demanding for an easy, safe kind of their income, a path to a safe place for them to win, or excuse me, to, to work? I mean, what the hell? Uh, He's he- clearly not well. I mean, why don't Democrats just pull this guy? They may. Can they? Uh, they well, I always because he's winning by he's winning by between five and ten points. I always go back to Democrats always find a way. Uh, you may remember this has been many years ago, but uh, in New Jersey when they had a scandal plague senator, and it was in the last month that they pulled him and got the Supreme Court to agree to put someone else on the ballot. Never put it past the Democrats to figure out some way to use the rules but, to get what they want. But right now, there's not a lot of clamor about this. This is the this is the six foot seven elephant in the room, uh, Mister Hoodie, can't get a sentence out. Yeah. In addition to that, uh, the Oz campaign and and Republicans who want to win this seat need to make him. D- Say out loud, would he have voted for this environmental bill that Joe Manchin got passed through the Senate sure. uh, or not? Was he for is he for raising petroleum prices? Is he for g- the tax increases that were in that bill? 
I, I listen, I hear you. I, I can't believe this is happening and no one's writing about this. I listened to him the other day, raw, and this is just consolidated. We don't have an hour, but he's not thinking clearly. No one wishes bad on him, but I don't mix to wish anything bad for the president, but he's hurting the country right now. No one, you know, no one thought that Barack Obama was not smart and competent. You might disagree. I get worried that leaders are in positions they're incapable of of serving in. Uh, the president just believes in ideas that just aren't good for the country. Doesn't make him a bad person, but his ideas are taking us down the wrong but path. But is he making these decisions? Well, is he capable of, of understanding them? This election, we need to hold him accountable for whether he's making the decisions or his administration, uh, though with any president, they're the ones that people look to as being the one making the decision. So whether he's making them or not, he's going to get held responsible for them. All right. I want to – a couple other things just before you go. I want to talk about illegal immigration. Pat Fallon weighed in on this battle between the states, really between the city of New York, uh, the city of Washington, D.C., and the state of Texas. The congressman from Texas, cut 34. These planes that are flying out of South Texas are full of illegal migrants. The American taxpayer has been footing this bill for almost two years, and the situation has never literally been worse in our history. We need to know the truth. And Alejandro Mayorkas, my office is preparing articles of impeachment because this fellow has uh, had done nothing for the American people other than grossly uh, ignore. And, and, and he's, it's just been a dereliction of duty. So that's where he stands. And we're watching these buses today getting more and more packed. A lot of children. I watched it on Fox and Friends live, four or five buses mm-hmm. packed. Mm-hmm. So we're, they get hotel rooms, they get uh, phones, they get clothes, they get health care, they get schooling. As a Republican strategist, GO, GO, uh, GOPAC chair, how do you strategize your way out this without looking cruel to f- probably find families? The reality is uh, we can be optimistic about this because even when Democrats see their policies in place, they realize how bad they are. So for our country, uh, we show them more how their policies actually impact people. We potentially do great good for our country. Uh, as Republicans, uh, certainly immigration uh, and, and the border is important and making sure we know who's coming into the country. But, but Brian, it, it goes into uh, the bigger question, should we know who's coming into our country or not? And we, on that issue, just leaving it right there, you have Republicans and independents and persuadable Democrats all in agreement. And we have never seen the Hispanic vote go to the Republican Absolutely. Party like this. Absolutely. And it's so under uh undercovered mm-hmm. because we're not hearing about this. All oh, the suburbs excuse me. If the Hispanic they say if five percent of the black vote goes to Republicans and the Hispanic vote goes fifty fifty, you cannot tell me there's a model in which Democrats don't get annihilated. Uh, you are one hundred percent right. And as one Hispanic voter said to me, when I fe- realized they were lying to me about one thing, I realized they're lying to me about everything. And Maya Flores to you is bigger than just one election? Uh Yes. I mean, that is a a good bellwether for the potential we have if we're willing to go in and ask for votes and tell them what we want to do to make their lives better. Right. Uh, And finally, for the president of the United States, do you expect him to announce before November? And if he was to ask you, David Avella, what should I do? What would you tell him? Uh, No, he will not announce before the midterm elections. You know that for sure? 
Well, no, I don't. You asked my opinion. I, <laughs> no, you said he should not, but you don't know that. I, I don't know whether okay. he will. Here's what is historically proven. Any president at 42 percent approval rating gets a primary challenge. And the bigger question is, is who's going to take him on in the primary? Whether it's Jimmy Carter, whether it was Lyndon Johnson, uh, whether it was Gerald Ford, uh, expect a primary challenge if Joe Biden runs again. Well, I think it's definitely it's going to be tough because I guess they're friendly, but Gavin Newsom is doing everything it looks like to run. But he just has to run and pretend he wasn't governor in California and mayor of San Francisco. (laughs) David Avella, always in educational, GOPAC chairperson, GOP strategist. Best of luck, 76-day sprint. Thank you. Back in a moment. Learning something new every day on The Brian Kilmeade Show. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Why are they doing this one? Why not taxpayers who have loans out to the IRS? The IRS has told a lot of taxpayers that you owe us money and we're charging you interest on it. Should the government dismiss those? What about people who owe car companies for their car rentals, for their, I mean, for their car loans? What about people who own mortgage debt? Should that be forgiven? No. The answer is that when you apply for a loan, you pay back your loan. And I know during the pandemic, things changed and people got exonerated from paying rent. We really screwed the landlords and we got the PPP. So people got money to sustain themselves and pay their employees. It was all, I get it, we were rewriting the rules. But that was two years ago. If this was going to happen, Trump should have done it two years ago to just people affected by the pandemic. And he still would have had huge pushback. But instead, with the threshold of $125,000 as a salary, you are now losing $10,000 worth of Uh, Loan obligation. But of course, since the federal government owns all this money, the money goes into the pot to our debt. Which should they say? And and Fox just put this out between five hundred and seven hundred billion dollars. Should they say twenty thousand, which people with Pell Grants are eligible for? You're talking about almost a trillion. Why is this worth it? And believe me. They told, uh, they told President Biden, who evidently was reluctant to do this, well, this is about your legacy. This is how you'll be remembered. And that's his hot button. And he signed off on it. And Susan Rice was behind it. But a lot of Democrats are sickened by it, as am I. You listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. When we come back, Charlie Hurt joins us right now. And we find out how he really thinks I did on Gutfeld last night. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Republicans should be very, very, very scared this morning about their prospects. I had never believed that we would not hold the House. That's my mission, and that's what I hope to accomplish, and I have a plan to do it under the leadership of Sean Patrick Maloney. He had a big victory himself last night. He, he's our chair. But um, but this one, they expected to win, and... Uh, they outspent us, but we outorganized them. And that's what we are. We don't agonize. We organize. Right. I'm not sure what she's talking about. Could be some of the New York races or some of the others. She's definitely not talking about the school board uh, results in Florida, five of which flipped to uh, Republicans. Uh, but Charlie Hurt is with us now. He's the same Charlie Hurt who's a Fox News contributor, columnist for The Washington Times. 
But your take on her ebullience? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, she is, uh, you know, she's she's good at, uh, (laughs) she's been in her job for a long time for a reason. Um, she probably uh, ought to retire to the beach and go back to the beach. I never thought she was a good communicator, by the way. Did you? No, uh, I always... no, but she's a good communicator because the house is a really weird place. You have to be a good communicator within your caucus and you have to be threaten people. Right. No, it's all about threatening people. It's all about making sure that you keep people in line. And she does a masterful job of keeping people in line. And whether that's through it's rarely with with it's some sometimes it's with sweets, but it's mostly with threats. Um, But but in terms of being out of touch, it's kind of astonishing. And and here's the other thing that's kind of interesting about her that Democrats, uh, if you look at in both chambers, really, but especially in the House, Democrats are read by, led by the looniest people in their party, Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi has been the looniest person in her party for decades. And, and what's sort of happened over the past 10 years or so is she has – the party has attracted such loonier people that she's become sort of more of a moderate. But the problem is when you actually talk about the issues – and we saw this in 2016. When you actually talk about the issues, most people – most Democrat voters are not in line with – what what Pelosi is selling, and definitely not what the loonier people in the Democrat Party. You mean the way to the left and the squad, and yeah, the squad exactly. lost a member. Mondaire Jones lost, right? And the guy that did win is Bowman. Bowman did win Jamal Bowman, so he's another extremist. So it's a one and one. But AOC doesn't seem to have a lot of coattails. No, she does not. And and by the and way, I'm thankful for the country. By the way, because no, she exactly. would she would she yeah. would be in a she would destroy the country. And if that party gains momentum, I won't recognize the country. Uh, so uh, I think you and I have uh, disagreed on this before. Uh, I don't know that um, – I don't – I think that there are some advantages to taking your most eloquent person for your crazy positions and putting them on a pedestal and letting them talk because I think that it would expose the lie of all of her promises. We're seeing it now with like the Green New Deal is turning out to be a scam for regular Americans. Which we're living and which we're, we're going to have to see it and, fail in order to realize exactly. how bad it is. And, and, and I think that that's a good thing. But I totally agree with you about this. And that is the remo- having those people get removed by their own voters and replaced with sensible people is a good thing. As somebody who's a conservative, even the Republican Party fails to sort of line up conservatively enough with me on a lot of issues. I, but I, I generally want Republicans to win generally. Um, that said, I want the Democrat Party to be a vibrant party. I want it to be a smart it party. It doesn't hate the country and the, hate our history. Exactly. I want them to bring their best ideas to the table. I, I probably will 90 percent of the time disagree with them, but they'll make Republicans better. And, and I want that. But, it's vital to our country. But here's the thing. Do, do clear-thinking Democrats want to blow up the filibuster? Do clear-thinking Democrats want to add two states? Do clear-thinking Democrats want to pack the court? Well, I think this is Are those where, extreme behaviors? Well, I think this is where you and I have disagreed in the past. I don't think that they do. And I, 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 it's hard to look at the <laughs> – it's hard to look at – Senator Leahy said it's inevitable even though he's retiring. He says it's inevitable, he told Brett Baer the other night. He said one of the parties is going to do it and he can, and, and he and everybody else can thank Harry Reid for that. Because Harry Reid blew through all of the norms in the Senate to blow up the, the every sort of you know firewall because he couldn't get a judge passed. He said, right? Because and, and of course before that he was using it all to thwart all of President W. Bush's 
judges. Absolutely. Which is how, which that and made up stuff of, about Mitt Romney. Uh, everyone knows oh. Mitt Romney doesn't pay his taxes, and he said yeah. I made that up, and he bragged about it now in retirement. And and I think at the end of the day, you know, I, I you know, the, the, these are hard times <laughs> politically, but I do think that in the long run, uh, there's a reason we have these processes in place. The founders gave us these wonderful processes. Is not because um, it, it's good to spend all of our time talking about the processes. But that the processes lead to equitable, uh, sensible solutions. Right. And, for example, Roe v. Wade, return, the Dobbs decision, returning the issue of abortion to uh, the voters and their elected representatives is a really good procedural move. I'm not going to like probably the outcome that a, a lot of these legislatures reach when it comes to abortion. Because I'm pretty far to the right on it, but I can live with it because my neighbors decided it and and came up with the solution. And you Again, can move. I'll never. I, I can move, but but even if I can't, I'll be happier that I, I I'll be happier that I can go next door and argue with my neighbor about it. Right. Than than having some some court with a bunch of unelected people in robes handing down an edict that I can't argue with anybody about or do anything about. Here is President Biden yesterday giving us something to talk about because I think this is a bad political decision as well as fiscal decision. Cut three. But I believe my plan is responsible and fair. It focuses the benefit on middle class and working families. It helps both current and future borrowers and will fix a badly broken system. These actions build on my administration's effort to make college more affordable in the first place. Fix a badly broken system by saying you don't have to give back $10,000, but it'll cost cumulatively between five and $700 billion. What is your thought, Charlie Hurt? Badly broken? Why is it badly broken? Meaning because the cost of the of federal government. Yes. Yeah, but, well, and also the debts. The entire student debt loan, uh, student loan program is that is run by the federal government. They're the, re- the the whole problem with this is that the federal government has been involved in it for for, for decades now. So, but do so, you think the federal government is? Don't you think he changed it when Barack Obama said we're going to federalize these loans and took them all from the banks? Yes, but but I but so that was two thousand eight, right? But, but the idea, but the idea that you're that the, that uh, you've got you know the federal government on the scene and Joe Biden saying we're going to fix this problem. Well, you created the problem. Why 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 are we going to trust the people who created the problem to fix the problem? And why is ten thousand dollars fixing anything? No, of course it's not. And then of course it's also you know and and uh, you know as we talked about last night, you know, the, do you think that the cost of college is going to go down? Do you think tuitions are going to go down? No, they're going to keep going up. And the you you, you have. You have these uh, places like Harvard. You have these universities that have endowments yeah. that are individual universities that have endowments that are larger than 25 of the smallest GDP countries on the planet but combined. Do th- but do you think Harvard's a good example because so few people will ever get into Harvard? What about the average what? school across the country, Texas A&M, for well, no, example? I, no, or, I think, I think or the University of Florida. Okay, you can talk about all Stetson. of Stetson. But I think, that, I think that Harvard's a great one to talk about because the, a, a smart politician would go after these universities and say, oh, you want to forgive student loan debt? Here, let's do this. Everybody's taking a haircut. You take billions of dollars from Harvard's endowment and you give it back to the people that they taught 
uh, the, the, uh, the students that got defrauded by them who, uh, for, and, and got taught that there are eight genders. You, you hold Harvard and U- University of Virginia and all of these places personally, uh, financially accountable for the, the scam they have uh, perpetrated on, on these students. And well, this- the ultimately, the thing that's going to happen is everybody wants to go to Harvard and Yale and the Ivies. I get it. But ultimately, what's going to happen is people are going to have to decide that they're not going to pay $70,000 for school. Well, and fit, but okay, even but 50. You- but but so it's a lot harder. Market- you're, it's unlikely that you're going to get people, students, to make that decision if you've got the federal government sitting there dangling all this free money uh, uh, in front of their faces. Of course they're going to. Who wouldn't take that? This is a society. We live in a society today where like debt is so great and everybody thinks it's so awesome. Right. And and this is only going to make it worse. I it's- thought I had a great idea yesterday. Uh oh. Interest rates. Oh yeah. The interest rates are above the prime. To sell yeah. to these kids. It used to be, I always thought it was below. Yeah. That's one of the enticements of a student. Now, do you know the escalation sometimes are up to 10% for a parent's loan? For example, so why do you want a loan at 10%? Well, is this a loan shark? No, so if you go up to people and go, so I'm going to cut 3% of your interest rate, I don't think you have much of an uproar, yet you're really helping people, aren't you? Yeah. It, it's totally predatory lending. If a private company was doing this on a street corner, yeah. they would be put out of business by the government. Um, and it is it, it's it's payday loan level loan sharking and um, and it's and you know and I don't know uh, you know I don't I, I I don't know what the answer I mean I have a lot of ideas about what the answer I don't know what the what the workable political solution is I know this is not it and this is going to make things much worse. A couple of things uh, just so you know Nancy Pelosi is now firmly for it. And I played this last night, but I want everyone to hear it. She knows this is not constitutional. She knows the president doesn't have this power. Cut to. People think that the president of the United States has the power for debt forgiveness. He does not. He can postpone. He can delay. But he does not have that power. That would that has to be an act of Congress. And how bad is this that they're tapping into the HEROES Act? What is heroic yeah, about yeah. having a lot of debt? Yeah. So this reminds me of uh, – remember when Obama was in, in power and for decades uh, – for, for years, Democrats talked about how uh, uh, President Biden could not extend DACA relief to uh, – just to, did it. To Dreamers. Did and and Obama talked about it extensively. Biden talked about it. Pelosi talked about it. And then, as soon as it became politically expedient, boom, they go and they do it. And, and they thought the for sure here. the court's going to get a hold of this and reverse it, and they didn't. Yeah. And then we're back to Obama judge, Trump judge. So some of the things that people should understand: uh, we're not sitting here uh, re- saying uh, spouting off about Republican talking points. Uh, Catherine Cortez, Masto. Democrat who wants six more years in and in a tough fight in Nevada. I don't agree with today's executive action because it doesn't address the root problem. Jared Golden, congressman from Maine. The decision by the president is out of touch with the majority of the American people. Chris Pappas of New Hampshire. This announcement by President Biden is, is in no way made to make policy in a sidesteps Congress. He's a Democrat. Sharice Davids in Kansas, Democrat. It's not how I would have addressed this issue. Tim Ryan. Well, there's no doubt the college situation should be open, uh, should be about opening up opportunities. Waiving debt for those already on a trajectory to financial security sends the wrong message to the millions of Ohioans without a degree. That's a guy that wants to win the state. 
I'm not saying they mean a syllable of it, but they know the American people want them to say that, which shows how wrong that Michael Bennett says something very similar. Yeah, it's fundamentally unfair. And and the thing that I think most people realize, and again, you know, we were talking a minute ago about how um, I, I think that voters have not entirely checked into the election yet. And, I, and so I'm very suspicious of polls right now. I'm also suspicious of the results of special elections where you have low turnout. I, I, I am very wary of uh, what happened in New York. Right. I'm very wary about reading too much into those things. It's important information and valuable information, but you can overread into it. Same with polls. I don't believe the polls. Uh, you know, there's more going on. And, and 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 inversely, the worse things are in people's personal lives, the later it is that they check in to the election. But that said, when and, and you know, it's so obviously unfair what Joe Biden is doing with college tuitions here. If he actually cares about the working poor and the middle class, he would do everything he could to lower inflation and lower the price of gasoline. If you want to bump in their pay immediately, yeah. those two things. And he has done everything he can to make those things worse. And home heating and home air conditioning through the roof. Everyone's talking about gas cars. But when people talk about their electric bill, uh, that's what people are not discussing. A lot of the times they said they've doubled. They don't understand why. And they don't understand why people aren't addressing that. And they keep talking about zero emission cars. There's no such thing as a zero emission car. It gets charged somehow. Absolutely. Uh, back in a moment where Charlie Hurt reviews my performance playing Greg Gutfeld on a television show. Back in a moment. Giving you everything you need to know. You're with Brian Kilmeade. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The International Astronomical, uh, Astronomical, I think it's something to do with Planets Union, is holding a contest to name a show some new planets discovered by the James Webb Space Telescope. What would you name your planet? Because this telescope is spotting so many more. (laughs) I just thought of something. You can't name it after yourself. You can't name it after your dog. Nope. Nope. Right, so call it her anus. <laughs> I want to join a team with Judge for her anus. Right, absolutely. I, I changed my mind. Right, but you don't know who's been there. <laughs> right. So that was the way our show ended. Charlie Hurd uh, was a superstar last night on Gutfeld. You've done the show before. I've done it before as a panelist. He, it was the first time he's taken a week off. So we have a f- series of hosts. Uh, Tyrus Tuesday, Monday was Cat, Wednesday was me. Yeah, I, I think that they, I mean, you were so incredible last night. Oh, thank you. I think that, I mean, I think that Gutfeld might be out of a job. You think he might not come back? I think, no, I, I think he might be pushed out. Right. I think that, I think that, well, I mean, we'll see tonight. Um, we'll see who, who shows up, but I, I mean. It'll be I, Dana I, tonight. I, yeah, w- but will she? I, I, I think that they <laughs> you might. Mean that just, good. I, I think that they might just cancel. repeat to last night last night show. No, I think that I think you're going to get a call at about three o'clock. Really? And, yeah. And so just gonna, stay off the phone. Like we can't do we can't do this anymore. We, we, <laughs> ah, there's only uh, one true late night comedian, and it's Brian Kilmeade. It's well, not GG. Well, I will say this tonight at the five. I will try to re, uh, reclaim some of that uh, away game magic because it's not my home turf. I'll be right. on the five, right. and then. 
I know you get upset at this, but I also am going to be on stage September 8th in Albany at the Egg, and I want people to see me go get tickets and watch on stage. I get jokes about history and politics. It's the most fun I have. I think that that's why it was such a spectacular success is because it was actually a Brian Kilmeade infomercial <laughs> last night, the yeah. whole thing. And it's all part of – And I didn't really I, get and, to plug the radio I think show. this is where Fox is going anyway. We're going to 24-hour uh, – uh, uh, Brian me. right? Just nothing but and but, John Scott. But, I like to be me and John Scott. If you I and John Scott, there. but then also, you know, you have your your hit with Varney every week, so right. that's why we have Fox. All right, so business. I'll get it. So I'll have be, the show, but I'll talk. It's going to be twenty four and a half hours of Brian Kilmeade programming right. every day. Do you there think that's sellable? Oh, you think we can get sponsors? Me? Are I, you kidding me? <laughs> okay, that's true. I mean, ki- cars for kids is going <laughs> to. It's going to be every commercial that, will be cars for kids. By the way, the most. Annoy- I'm, I'm, I don't know. Are they a sponsor? The most annoying commercial ever. No, it's not and annoying. It, it's effective. You sing it to yourself. Out of hate. Out okay. of hate. It doesn't matter. It still works. <laughs> How many ca- cars do those kids need? <laughs> uh, but we actually use that clip. Charlie, thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for being on tight. I'll, I'll talk to you then soon. Keep it here. Brian Kilmeade Show. Rage is on. chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table to Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.